Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Please don't forget to follow Urbanistica on the different social media platforms. And also let's connect on LinkedIn. Big thanks to Urbanistica podcast partner, Avery. Avery is an international engineering and design company providing sustainable solutions in the fields of energy, industry, and infrastructure. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it. Hello and uh, thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. Today we have a new storyteller and very interesting story. I have the pleasure to welcome you, Shari, to Urbanistica podcast. Hello and welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm great. Um, just getting some new projects on the rise and getting organized for the summer. And how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to see you again after... Uh, our meeting in uh, Helsingborg. Yeah, yeah, for uh, the Urban Futures Conference in Helsingborg, that was, that was a really great time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I see it's uh, sunny and uh, looks uh, beautiful weather, no? Yes, uh, we're finally getting some sunlight and some heat in Winnipeg. Um, we had a very deep freeze for a few weeks. Um, it was always around negative 20, so it's mm-hmm. really nice to get some sun <laughs> <laughs> where are you now in which uh what do you call it city or state i'm in a city in city. so winnipeg and then we're in provinces and so winnipeg is in manitoba which is one of the coldest provinces in canada <laughs> just my luck <laughs> <laughs> awesome so we start with you you are our storyteller how would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners Sure. So I'm Shari Hodgman, and I am one of the co-founders and co-chairs of Women in Urbanism Canada. Um, I hold a Bachelor's of Arts degree in Communications and Sociology from the University of Winnipeg. And as well, outside of Women in Urbanism Canada, I work as a Sustainable Transportation Coordinator, uh, specifically working on active and safe routes to school here in Manitoba. Cool. So what are you passionate about? My passion, I think is very similar to a lot of urbanists, (laughs) is understanding how cities impact our social, mental, uh, physical, economic, and environmental well-being, as Mm. well as working towards uh, interventions and policies that support these in our cities. Yeah. But how come that, like, you became interested in this field in general? In urbanism? Yeah. I think what interests me the most is that there's so many little pockets within the field is mm-hmm. like the best way to explain it is just there's so many different avenues to take and to explore. And that's what I really enjoy about it is that you can be in one little pocket um, and then kind of take ideas and resources from others to amplify your own work, but also to learn more. So it kind of feels like in this field, you're constantly growing and developing in your yeah. career because there's so much to learn and there's so much to do. That's so true. So how, what is, what is the, the background for starting a woman in urbanism? 
Well, the the idea to start Women in Urbanism Canada first started in 2018 when my co-founder, Nicole Roach, uh, she read a book, um, I forget what it was called, but she read a certain book about uh, sexism in cities and okay. it really like went like a, was like a light bulb moment for her. Hmm. Um, and so she was really inspired by it. And she also found uh, two other women in urbanism groups, uh, one in Brussels and then the other in New Zealand. And so she just spent a lot of time researching. And then, uh, but the idea to actually collaborate and bring this to uh, life started in September of 2021. Okay. Um, so it's been a while now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we just started collaborating uh, that fall and ever since then been working together and with other folks now. Uh, nice. So she, so she she called you and say we we have to start this. We have to start this kind of. Um, actually, <laughs> what was really funny is I mean like we all know like Twitter is a great yeah. platform for urbanists. Um, and so she used to live in Winnipeg, uh, but doesn't anymore. But um, she found that I was on Twitter as well, okay. sharing my work in urbanism. Um, I was doing a lot of publishing on just mobility. Yeah. And uh, her and I connected. She reached out just saying, you know, it seems like we're into really uh, similar things. And mm. um, I have this project in mind that I just need help to collaborate <laughs> on. So we connected on Twitter. Um, yeah. And from there, started meeting weekly for about 10 months. Like you and her or with others? Just her and I. Okay. Um, for about 10 months while we both wow. worked full time still. And uh dedicated a lot <laughs> of our yeah, free yeah, time yeah. um and then just this last summer we onboarded a national board of directors nice so we have a lot more capacity and yeah, a lot yeah. more support which has been I really helpful yeah. yeah so like during the the 10 months you were planning of like what is the mission what should we do and like doing research or what did you do yeah absolutely so it started like that just mm. really honing out exactly our mission, our values and principles and what we want to do. And mm. then it looked like developing our website, which took some time because it was just yeah. her and I doing it. Um, and then after that, looking at a strategic plan um, mm. and most of that strategic plan for our first year just looked like uh, building trust um, with folks and our community to uh, listen to what we're saying and to also engage with us and building community. Um, and it was really great because doing that and working to get that trust and making those connections helped us be featured in the media, yeah. um, do outreach opportunities. So it was mm. a really great way to start the first year. Yeah. And also like when you plan to start something, um, in your case, what, like which one was the perfect is like a NGO or, or a network organization, a consultant, what, what, which one of these fits mm -hmm. perfect to yours? Yeah, so we're we're a national nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. We just incorporated actually uh, mm -hmm. in January, so we officially are yeah. a nonprofit organization now. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, lots of background work to get there, but <laughs> we did it. <laughs> so yeah. tell me, what is, what is what is your mission? Our mission, our mission is to transform cities to be more sustainable, equitable, and enjoyable for all. Um, so. Although we're an organization that focuses on uh, gender and women in cities, we do recognize that uh, 
feminism includes everyone. We don't aim to exclude everybody or anybody, sorry. Um, you know, we aim to see how interventions and policies, how they uplift women, but also how they serve different other or other equity deserving groups. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, or, or if you maybe you tell us about the challenges that women are fa facing in, in Canada, because I, I think it's, it's because of that you started this yes. as well, right? Yeah. It's more like so, focus on the local situation. Mm hmm. I would say the biggest challenge that we see in Canada and is what inspired both Nicole and I to uh, really develop this project is mostly mobility in cities. Um, so in Canada, the car has really been deemed like the standard way of mobility. Um, but women make up on, almost 60% of transit users here. Okay. Um, and even so that women make up a lot of our uh, transit users, our transit system is still based around um, very like patriarchal <laughs> yeah. uh, routines, like when mm. men go to work and come home kind of thing. So very mm. much still morning and after work times. Uh, meaning that other errands throughout the day, especially like caregiving or yeah, like caregiving errands, like getting groceries and taking kids to school or to daycare or to appointments can be very inconvenient um, because our system for transit uh, really just serves mostly those two times mm -hmm. and can get very unreliable in between those two times. Um, and so women are also more likely to have a companion when they're traveling throughout cities. So it can be a bit more expensive for them to be moving and to uh, be doing their daily tasks um, when they're trip chaining. So when they're going from like dropping off the mail at the post office, going to the grocery store, um, going to an appointment. So they're bouncing around, um, which is like most of women's mobility patterns. Um, and as well in Canada, uh, there's not a lot of um, commuter rail or intercity buses. Okay. Um, so we don't really have metros or ubons, um, which would be really great if we did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because of this, we had a um, a very popular uh, intercity bus system a while back called Greyhound Canada. Okay. Um, but they had shut down services in May of 2021, mm. which was a very difficult um, thing to happen for uh, especially like Indigenous women in Canada, as um, many have been needing to flee from certain situations from their communities um, that were possibly harmful. Mm. And so when this system shut down, it made it a lot more difficult for them to uh, seek safety. And uh, in Canada, we have a crisis of missing um, and murdered Indigenous women and girls. And so uh, that's just like one part of <laughs> this whole yeah. issue. Yeah. Um, but I would say, yeah, like mobility is just the biggest barrier to women in Canada because mm. it affects the rest of every other aspect of their lives. Yeah. But like, um, okay, maybe I have an outdated image about like the mobility in Canada. And I thought like it's the opposite and like, oh, it's so cool, <laughs> so fancy and so equal and so on. 
So is it just because of like the timetable or no? It's also like the other part, maybe the design of the cabins, the stations and so on. Or no, only the, 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 the way called frequency of the, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. of the buses? I think like, maybe? yeah, there's, there's certain cities here that have a lot more infrastructure for transportation than yeah. Winnipeg, for example. Um, but for many cities, including Winnipeg, a lot of our um, city budgets go towards maintaining our roads yeah. um, because of the amount of car dependency we have. So we mm. get a lot of potholes um, every year. And it's, our, it's, it's like the biggest budget our city has <laughs> is for roads. It's okay. insane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's for roads and police. And so um. everything else under it is kind of on the back burner, which is very unfortunate. Mm. Um, so something um, a few folks here, at least in Winnipeg are trying to do is to advocate how reinvesting some of that money into transit will help um, make it more affordable to yeah. sustain our roads. Um, but I think within most Canadian cities, it's just the lack of reliable, well-connected and frequent transit. Yeah. Um, outside, especially outside of downtown cores. Mm, mm, mm. Other other aspects that uh, is as a challenge for for the women from more like urban planning design perspective. Uh, aspects for transportation to help. Um, not only transportation, maybe other other different aspects. Like maybe in, in Sweden, we have safety as a as a big challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Not only also for women, but for many. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the biggest aspect for women uh, here in Canada for urbanism is also safety. Okay. Um, a lot of that, of course, being lighting, but also mm. um, because our cities are so car dependent, um, we don't have as many people walking on our streets, True. meaning True. we don't have as many eyes on our streets. Mm. So um, from like my experience and from any other folks' experiences I've heard, it's a lot more comfortable to be walking around knowing that there's many other folks on your streets or you have your neighbors out, um, yeah. kids going to school, you know, it's just a lot more comfortable and that's just something that really lacks uh, yeah. Yeah. In, in Canadian cities, I believe. Mm. I think it's, it's because of the planning is the same here as well, like the, for the suburbs and uh, like fewer and fewer people and then like suddenly no people, you're alone and, and, and so on. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, totally. do, what, what do you face as, as a struggle slash challenge in your daily basis out mm -hmm. in the city? For me, my biggest struggle, I think, especially as someone who bikes year round, including in the winter, um, yeah. is for transportation is, is just like the hostility uh from drivers um okay. i've had a lot of i've even like just experienced a lot of harassment and you know cat calls and mm. um my co-founder we she actually wrote a piece about it on our website she was uh on a bike um commuting somewhere and uh she was uh inappropriately touched and it's just wow something we you know it, it, it's kind of always on like back of my mind when I'm going places it's like mm. do I have my lights do I have okay you know I carry like a little alarm sometimes yeah. even if I'm traveling alone um at night and so I think that would be my 
biggest challenge as well as similar to like the trip training I was talking about earlier, it's difficult to run like multiple errands in mm. a day um, for like expenses for like bus fare um, or, and also just like the connection um, to go places without a vehicle. Cause yeah. I've now been a year car free and it's very nice. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's really good. But do you, yeah. do you think about this actively? Like every time you ride your bike or, or how is it? It's very, I, I can imagine it's like very annoying and like, yeah, it's very draining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Like, it is. Mm. Yeah. Especially as well. Like even if I'm making plans with my friends mm. and some of my guy friends would just be like, oh, well, whatever. We'll just bike home after the event. And I'm like, okay, well, if we're biking home after the event at this time, it's going to be mm. dark. I know I have to do this many kilometers in the dark alone how what time should i leave the event where maybe i mm. it's more comfortable for me to get home or changing my routes even depending if they uh there's enough lighting on that route from the like the street lights and whatnot yeah. so it's kind of always like you're yeah. always kind of reworking yeah like yeah. it's a, it's a extra extra thinking just because mm -hmm. you're maybe a woman and right totally and then for women who have children that's a completely another right? level completely different story yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but is it uh, this is when it comes to like commuting and biking let's say the the let's say the other other perspective walking or just being in the city mm -hmm. what what is like ma make what makes you feel not welcome to a place or mm. yeah if you understand my question absolutely uh same thing with like the eyes on the streets mm. um that's something i notice a lot um i think places that don't make me feel very welcomed um is when well we have very narrow sidewalks mm. here at least in my city um and that's again because our streets have gone wider and our sidewalks are getting smaller <laughs> <laughs> um so it does make it difficult to be walking with other people. Um, mm. I know folks who are in wheelchairs, um, it's hardly wide enough for them to get around, um, as well as uh, mothers with strollers. Mm. Um, but as well, like even the lack of greenery, um, you know, having shade in the summer, you know, that's really helpful. It's a lot more encouraging to be able to go outside when you're mm. not, um, you know, in the blazing sun, yeah. just trying to get groceries um but i think as well as like when there's a lack of seating um i mean especially if you're bouncing around to be doing errands mm. it's it's okay to linger and rest and for me even if i'm just not seeing any places for people <laughs> to be but only parking spaces it's just kind of like come on <laughs> where can i go you know yeah 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 that's so true so you also have like this kind of uh, mental map about your city like i shouldn't go there i shouldn't be here late and so mm -hmm. on totally yeah does this change by time or not still the same like um that's a great say, question do, do you feel uh, let's say we have a place x mm -hmm. do you feel let's say five years ago do you have the same feeling and experience and the, mm. the same place how how is it that's a great question actually so I'd say it has changed, especially because so up until last winter, I was living mm. in the suburbs here yeah. and I 
felt very disconnected, but I also didn't really know where to go to <sighs> when I was like more in the city. I was kind of like that idea, like it's unsafe <laughs> to be in an <laughs> urban core. Yeah. Um, until like now that I am in the urban core of mm. Winnipeg, um, I do feel a lot more safe than I thought I would, I think. Mm. Um, but that's just also like learning about the different communities. Um, you know, getting more familiar with my neighborhood and my roots mm. and um, also just like taking the steps that make me feel safe. And if that's, you know, not staying out when it's pitch black at night, if I have to walk home alone, then sometimes it's just yeah. taking those steps yeah. right now. Yeah. Do you feel the, the the difference when you like travel to another city? Totally. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Worst. Um. Well, so this last summer after um, Urban Futures, mm -hmm. uh, the Urban Futures Conference, I solo backpacked Europe for two months. And it was a really big game changer because I had all of this urban knowledge, but also <sighs> all of my experience from Canada yeah. to get to go and travel these cities mm -hmm. and really see the difference. Um, the biggest difference I saw was just how reliable it was to get around mm. um and also how there's just many different places and spaces within in, within your cities um in europe that don't require you to spend money to be in okay and that's something that's very different here in winnipeg and in many canadian cities is that a lot of our social events or, or just way, ways to socialize here or to experience things are mostly you have to pay for um and we we don't have a lot of green spaces it's mm. decreased our, oh my gosh our, our our public green spaces in canada have decreased by like 70 wow seven percent between wow. 2001 and 2019 that's crazy so <laughs> uh yeah like there's just not a lot of like third spaces or mm. um yeah just places to like meet your friends and have like a picnic or something like yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so like so like uh, you starting uh, women in urbanism it's not only because of the numbers and what you read on Twitter and and what mm -hmm. you what you observe but it's something also because like you experience it and you face this challenge as well. Absolutely. Mm. And not only in the physical built environment but also within the field. Um, mm. you know, we are I think I do think it's it's changing. I see the change, but when I first started, it was felt like a very male dominated space, and uh, I felt before like I wasn't being taken very seriously, very seriously, especially because I haven't formally studied urbanism. It's very much been on my own time and okay. initiative to get in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but for example, one of our board members, um, she works on policy and advocacy. Her name's Annika. Uh, she is based in Toronto and mm. with her work, she says, you know, she feels very similar. Like she, she really wants to feel more heard in her work. Um, her, she's the only woman on her team. And uh. so it's also like a very important initiative so we can connect with other professionals in the field who are women and, um, who are, who, who we can talk to about these experiences and also create some action plans to just yeah. help each other out kind of deal. Exactly. But is it, is this field attractive for, for women in Canada to study and, or no? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I've definitely seen within as much as like, I've now expand my network, 
a lot more. Mm. Um, I definitely seen a huge increase of women in the field who are like, in my opinion, like remember how I was talking about those pockets of urbanism earlier? Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like they're opening new pockets. Mm. Um, maybe not, it's not just them, but I see the work that they're doing to open these pockets. Like there's a, um, uh, I forget her name, but there's this uh, indigenous woman here in Winnipeg who okay. I follow on Instagram, um, who uh, is spearheading a lot of projects here um, that uses indigenous knowledge and planning. Uh, wow. And I think that is so amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just really great to see these initiatives happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell me about like the projects that you're doing within this Absolutely. field. Yeah. So for women in, in, in urbanism, details, huh? um, sorry, give us details. Absolutely. So, uh, for women in urbanism right now, our most ongoing project is to just continue creating and sharing content on feminist cities. Um, and that looks like publishing uh, one to two blogs every month. It's a newsletter, social media, um, as well as outreach opportunities, presentations, and whatnot. And then um, our current project right now that we're working on is developing a membership program. Um, that is to uh, help us build revenue to support our organization um, and its growth, but also to be able to offer um, folks in the field, men and women and um, everyone in between, to connect with us, uh, help us help shape women in urbanism, mm. um, as well as for us to hold membership-specific events, um, have membership-specific resources and whatnot. Um, so that's something we're developing at the moment. And uh, no promises, but might be launched in June. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All depends. Um, yeah. And then a future project that we have just applied funding for um, is to host three national uh, webinars on three different parks in Canada. Wow. Um, first, detailing their challenges mm. and um, the barriers and whatnot and the demographic they mostly uh, serve. And then offering feminist, intervention, uh, feminist interventions to help uplift these parks mm. um, to serve community members um, in a better way and whatnot. Yeah. How how big is the team now? Uh, right now, our core team is 10 folks, 10 people. That's cool. And we also have two advisors who help okay. us out when okay. we need some extra input um, and but, whatnot on initiatives. But actually, 10, 10 people are many, right? Mm -hmm. And we started out as two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, how do you how do you find themes or topics to your blog? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't, I don't know how <laughs> to put this, but it feels never ending. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good like and bad, sad in the same way. Yeah, like it's sad because there are always like things to talk about and problem to fix. Absolutely. At the same time, it's it, good it, like you have material. Always, <laughs> yeah, there's always something to write on, um, especially like. Uh, so we focus first on women, but then we also focus on other equity deserving groups. So also interventions, um, for 
people in low income neighborhoods mm. and also uh, queer folks and um, folks with disabilities. So there's just so much to talk about. Mm. And we also want to be able to eventually pay people who live these experiences to write on them and share with them because we can we can do our research and talk with yeah. others but you know it's it it's not like we've specifically lived them either so we also want to create that space for other people to share it so so do you remember like the latest two blogs what what was the mm -hmm. topic so the latest two blogs um was uh i'm trying to remember the title um how car culture fuels toxic masculinity <laughs> wow yes mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a brilliant piece it's, written by nicole yeah, i can imagine yes and what's really great is we actually like two weeks or so after we published it we saw that urban futures um developed a session at their uh, next conference on cool. men and their uh relationships with cars and i was just like how, Amazing. how funny like that, yeah, this is yeah, not yeah. being talked about like, this is awesome yeah. Yeah, so that was a really great piece mm. and something, you know, being an organization that focuses on women and gender, we are always a little on our toes about um, receiving, uh, you know, message, uh, comments, sexist comments and whatnot. And so that piece that was published, we actually got a ton of support from uh... our male viewers and cool. nicole was even receiving like personal messages and wow. i was just like wow that's yeah, really great yeah. to see that's, that's really helpful yeah yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and and like when you write the blog um is about the story that happened or in reflecting in general what, what is the structure yeah so we have a few different like categories mm. um so we have like a, a story we have a resource uh, a think piece photo essays um uh, policy recommendations, so and reviews, and so we have quite a lot to choose yeah. from, which is really nice. Um, mm -hmm. Figuring out what's great for each topic is so it, it's helpful to have it structured like that. But more, more focus on Canada, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, when we were first developing, it was a bit difficult because we had most of like our research and content from Europe, uh, uh... but we are really trying to. Keep our yeah, focus, of course, up. on Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I feel like it's gotten a lot better. Um, and also, uh, all the photos we share are personally taken by wow. Nicole and I mm -hmm. and cool. other directors as well. So at first, because uh, Nicole and I have spent some time in Europe, it was only photos of Europe. <laughs> so we really, we just needed content at the yeah, time yeah. to share. But now we've really built our library for Canadian examples, which has been really helpful. Yeah. So how is the situation for other women in other countries and so on? Is it the same as in Canada? You have you Are you in touch with other NGOs within the same field? Mm, uh, so... We have uh, connected a bit with some other NGOs in other countries, not um, extensively yet. Uh, when they did reach out, we just had a really low capacity because it was just Nicole and yeah. I. So it was kind of like, we'll get back to you soon. <laughs> um, but thank you for reaching out. So yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we would like to build those connections more. We'd also really like to build uh, connections with the other women and uh, other women in urbanism groups in Brussels and New Zealand. Um, but in terms of what it's like for women in other countries, I think it's very different 
in mm. different areas of the world, um, but with a similar overall theme that women in the past were the caregivers only. Mm. So cities were built mostly without their needs, patterns, and experiences in mind. Mm. And so this means we've had to kind of, I don't want to say adapt necessarily, but um, do do our patterns and live our experiences and try and keep up with our needs in a place that wasn't really built to um, support them, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you, because like this is based on what I observe, mm -hmm. when you say like the word feminism, people mm -hmm. like uh, some people close their, they don't want to listen and you think you're listening and so on. They yeah. associate it with the, you know, like, okay, they just hate everybody and they just want to focus on, on, on women and the, and us. Mm -hmm. Do you also face the same as well or, or how is it? Um, well, I think. That, that that was our that was one of our fears was that um that would be the understanding or the feedback we'd get um and something for us that we were really being intentional about was sharing how uplifting mm. women's needs and desires and experiences helps everyone um there's a really uh great quote from uh i think it's like canada bikes literature it's called and there's a quote that says uh when a country isn't bike friendly women are the first to be left behind mm -hmm. and so i think that just gives some great insight as to how when women are included um these actions and interventions help include many other folks mm -hmm. um and something as well that we're really cautious about is white feminism um, which is when, uh, in, which is a very traditional idea of feminism, when it's interventions and policies that supports um, white women and all, but then puts barriers on other women. Huh. So, for example, like um, an increase of police police surveillance mm -hmm. might make uh some white women feel safer but of course could make other women of different demographics feel more unsafe okay. so that's an intervention we don't we don't uh we don't use because we know it's harmful for other people mm -hmm. um so that's something and and as well as uh how that affects black men as well so we really tried to make sure the interventions that we're advocating for and for the policy changes we're advocating for um uplift others as well yeah, but do you feel like you're advocating for everyone, but not the white men? Um, that's a great question. I think at first it was we. It was maybe a bit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, not, uh, not excluding them, but just stating how cities were built with white men's needs and experiences in mind mm -hmm. above others. Yeah. Um, so first sharing that was really important for us to mm. first give that historical overview. And then we started to use, um, start to develop work on how feminist cities are also for men. Um, mm. So Nicole's uh, blog on car culture and toxic masculinity, the premise of it was sharing how, um, you know, 
of course, how they intertwine with each other, but when we also uh, cut car culture or help decrease car, car mm. culture, we're also helping to decrease that uh, like toxic masculinity traits, which do benefit men. It helps their health and their mental health mm. and also their social connections. Um, and so that's very important to us as well as to advocate how these interventions still help them in a beneficial way. That's very interesting. Yeah. You should, uh, we, should send me the link later so I put it in the episode. Absolutely. As mm. well, uh, we it's in the it's in its draft um, phase right now. Yeah. But I just wrote a blog on how, just titled "How Feminist Cities Help Men Too," and it was really interesting to dive into that topic about how you know, like, yes, cities at first for cars were yeah. built around um men's work life and their needs and whatnot to go from like the suburbs to like the downtown office five mm. times a week but uh also talking about how uh air pollution uh for example you know decreases male fertility and as well how men are uh the patriarchy does instill this idea in men that they can't really mm. connect with others and talk about um their mental health and yeah. how public spaces could be a great place for those if we prioritize them mm. um, and whatnot. So just like really making those connections of how feminist cities will also help them as well. So. Yeah, yeah. How how do you find like all when you write? How do you find all the the facts, the background, uh, all this research? Like, where is there is there a good knowledge out there in the internet? Absolutely. Okay. And cool. I say this whenever I say this to folks who especially aren't really in the urban field, they're always surprised. But again, Twitter, <laughs> it, it is a bank of information. Really? Connections. Oh, yeah. Like I find most of like my research for these pieces on Twitter. Like what do you um, find? Because... Do you find like papers or links to something or what? papers um links to organizations project updates policy updates okay. um initiatives happening in cities so it, it's really interesting how a social media platform yeah. <laughs> you know it's so <laughs> beneficial for our work but yeah. uh yeah it's it's whenever i have i have a lot of people in my life who ask how they can become involved in urbanism where can they learn and i just say twitter i just say twitter <laughs> i say go to my twitter profile follow whoever i'm like... following <laughs> and you're set <laughs> is there like a, a specific hashtag that oh, you or hashtags that uh, you follow you maybe write in your post yeah, I think it depends on whatever the the content is. Yeah. Um, but if I'm, you know, focusing on placemaking, just like hashtag mm. placemaking or uh, mobility or active transportation, uh, sustainable transportation, mm. um, women's mobility. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's really helpful um, to happen to use. And when when you when you write your blog or talk or pitch. Uh, woman in urbanism do you filter your words and say like i shouldn't say feminism here or i shouldn't say mm -hmm. this here is it is is it easy to just talk or no you need always like to filter and so what? on uh, i hope you're not filtering great... something here yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> um that's a great question i think i would say yes filtering but more so in a way where it comes across as more digestible. 
I think it's very easy to throw a bunch of research out there, a bunch of long sentences <laughs> and statistics and people to go, what, you know? So <laughs> I think just filtering it so it's digestible. So mm. a lot of that looks like just saying, here are the barriers uh, elderly women face in cities. Here are how they affect them. Here's how mm. we can help them. Um, and so that seems to be very helpful and we get a lot of great engagement and feedback from that. And, um, that's just kind of something we've been honing out for a while and yeah. seeing that's, yeah, it's working. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And, and, uh, tell me more about like the, the comments, the messages that you're getting after publishing a material, like both oh, yes. tell me the good one, the bad one. I, mm -hmm. I want to give the listeners, like, how is it to, to be in your position and to receive all this kind of comments? Yeah, so like every place, uh, we get both the positive and the negative. But uh, for the positive, honestly, like Nicole and I never expected from the beginning to receive such support, okay. <laughs> um, which has been very motivating um, and very encouraging. Uh, and so we get a lot of comments about like, oh, I've never thought about this before or, oh, this is similar to what these folks are doing or what mm. this city's doing or talking about their experiences, both men and women. Um, and also through publishing these, uh, this kind of content, we find a lot of our connections there from other organizations who are saying like, oh, this is something we're working with and we nice. build those relationships. Mm. Um, for negative, uh, we, honestly, like, so we've launched to the public now for about a year and three months or so okay. mm -hmm. within that time frame uh surprisingly we've only had maybe five negative comments yeah, so, <laughs> so no, okay. that's really great to not, see. So, not so many um, that's good <laughs> yeah it's really good it's very uh encouraging um as well so, you know yeah to, yeah, yeah. Sorry? Uh, no but like tell us what about like the five yeah so uh sometimes it just kind of seems like it's these comments and of the times they mostly are of white men uh mostly on linkedin actually we don't really get okay. these yeah wow. we don't wow. really get these negative comments on any other platform besides linkedin wow. um and it seems like the folks who are commenting those negative comments um it seems like they just kind of made an assumption from reading the post instead of reading the, the blog um, because, you know, they're kind of, you know, mm. they're saying their uh, opinion and whatnot, but it's like, oh, but that was actually covered in the blog. So, <laughs> so it very much read, seems yeah. like just jump. Yeah. Just like <laughs> jumping to conclusions, which is like, it's social media. It's going to happen. But um, tell me, tell me, like, like, give us a, uh... Tell us about a bad comment or message you get. Like, can I bring it up on my phone to read it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, um, it's yes. Yeah, no, I, as I mentioned, I'm I'm happy that you're sharing this with with us because I think it's it's important to show. Um, of course, like you started this, you're doing amazing work, and uh, life is not uh, pinky and it's only mm -hmm. happiness and uh, everything going good. But at the same time, in the backstage. Uh, you get a lot of uh, headache as well. like, And this is one of this kind of headache, like you get these messages. Absolutely. And yeah. I think it's also like, because um, something for me when I 
when we first started women in urbanism was many people who weren't in the field were kind of like I would tell them about the project that we were developing yeah and they'd kind of give me like a kind of mm. like like a are you sure you yeah. want to do that and yeah. so it's just for other folks listening like it's great for them I think to also know like developing the skills to deal with these uh instances and also knowing like it probably will happen and also knowing that like you know the good outbeats the bad and got to keep going right um, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the comments, it was actually on Nicole's blog, How Toxic Masculinity Drives cult Car oh, okay. Culture. And so we had, again, it's a, and I, I don't want to like. Uh, Do you just tell the tr the reality? You can just like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a white middle-aged man on LinkedIn <laughs> oh. <laughs> and his, um, and his comment says, I'm not sure if it is a vehicle thing. I see men engaging in aggressive bicycle, uh, biking, bike riding all the time. And so our comment back, uh, again, so like uh, we've published work on aggressive riding as well. So our, cult our comment back was saying, you know, like, thanks for reaching out. Absolutely. Toxic masculinity can lead to aggressive and reckless behaviors in many ways, cycling included. We felt that focusing on cars in this article is most pertinent. Uh, I can't say that word. I'm sorry. I have a speech impediment. <laughs> As large vehicles can cause much more harm than bicycles. Please be in touch if you want to discuss further. So, you know, just being the bigger person, of course, but also just like yeah. um, seeing the reality. But something that was really great was on that same uh post yeah um we had another uh man uh on linkedin comment a positive something very positive saying cool. in certain uh circles you will get a huge negative blowback from this piece but as a serious cyclist who has logged thousands of kilometer a year of riding on roads all over canada um by far the worst encounters i have experienced on the roads were when the driver has been using foul language has behaved aggressively has broken the law mm. and have been mostly with other men i can't think of an incidence that has been elevated with the women as high as some of the encounters i've had with men so and to be to be honest, i i i share the same like yeah this is the reality somehow yeah, yeah. so yeah. seeing that was very nice you know That's having good. that support yeah yeah, so, yeah. But uh, <laughs> did you get like worst, worst comment that this or no? Or this is the um, level of. Uh, not did you on get that like something piece, like was... uh, "I will kill you" or "Stop this"? Oh. Or, or... <laughs> no, thank thank gosh that we uh, haven't. <laughs> you, you're, you're not famous yet. Um, no, exactly. <laughs> Once we are, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then you. <laughs> then we're in trouble. No, yeah. but uh, it's really great to see because we do get a lot of positive feedback on every post. So I Very think good. that also kind of pushes a lot of the negative feedback away because they're like, good. oh. Yeah. Well, how, do you, yeah. how do you react when you get this kind of negative uh, comments? You just um, like... Sorry? What, how do you react? Uh, well, sometimes when I see a notification of a comment, um, when it's not from an organization, um, not from a, a woman, um i get a little <laughs> hesitant to open it <laughs> um so but when i do and when i mm. see as a comment like this it's usually first trying to you know uh i think just like rationalize what they're saying it's like oh is that something we haven't considered mm. um but most of the comments that are negative that we do get are just kind of like 
opinions that were made yeah. in like a few seconds after seeing a post so uh <laughs> we don't take it too hard too uh, harsh uh but i do share you know we share it if we see it we share it with the team yeah. and we ask how do we want to respond to this mm. um you know and sometimes it's like honestly that's not really worth responding to it's not productive and others it's like well if we can help shed more light on what we're doing yeah. that might be a more productive thing to to engage in mm. so mm. um yeah, you know, we just kind of collaborate to see how we want to navigate that situation. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Really good job. Oh, so, uh, so uh, like, we have many listeners listening to you now. Mm -hmm. mm, and if we focus on urban planners now, uh, working mm -hmm. with city development, um, what should we stop doing when we plan cities? It's up to you. You can, like, talk about planning scales, I mean, uh, uh, but even design. It's totally up to you. What should we stop yeah. doing? Uh, two suggestions. Yeah. Um, first, uh, to stop planning cities around the idea that everybody moves by car. That's very big in Canada. Uh, so I'm not sure what's like in Europe. Sorry. Still like planning more car centric. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Which is very unfortunate. Mm. Um, I see like there's change, but it's coming from a lot smaller, mm. um, groups. Um, and not so much through city projects but it's it's getting there it's getting there um and then i think another thing is to uh from my experience to stop planning around the idea that one project or intervention or initiative only focuses on one uh like benefits if that makes sense um you know seating and parks of course it's like for people to sit but is it accessible by wheelchair and by cane if it's on gravel? Um, is it, if, you know, seating that's only facing a landscape, mm -hmm. you know, that really does cut that uh, social interaction by like face-to-face -face, uh, face -face interaction. Mm -hmm. um, is seating, uh, I want to say, wide enough or long enough to, to have uh, people of different sizes sitting there? And also, is it in areas that can be, a little bit more uh, secured by greenery for women who are breastfeeding um, if they want to, or for teen girls who don't want to be in the like bright open mm. spaces for place uh, for people to come and up to them or to be looking at them. Um, so like, there's just many different ripple effects from one little thing. So I think yeah. trying to incorporate those ideas and mm. those thoughts when yeah. Um, yeah. planning. Yeah. And, and um, what, skills that should we as a planners develop or learn maybe mm -hmm. uh well something that i see in from european organizations um is there's a lot of groups who seem to be interacting with different communities to learn what their routine and what their experiences are like in cities um to be able to plan also from that perspective and from mm. other perspectives um so that's i think is a great skill is to be able to go outside of what your regular routine and experience and perspective is like in a city to learn someone else's to see how that can help your work mm. um that's something i would like to see more in canada for sure yeah yeah it's like more consulting and connection with communities exactly mm -hmm. so what is like what is going going to be the next uh, step for a woman in urbanism you mentioned about like collaboration, you're developing the model more like uh, things you're going to do. Mm -hmm. So 
uh right now it's developing our membership to be launched hopefully by the summertime um as well as developing a fee for service uh mm -hmm. program mm -hmm. so where we can take all the knowledge we've shared in our blogs um and all of the policy recommendations we have to put into an actual service whether okay. that be presenting being on panels and forums mm -hmm. uh working on project um projects being you know uh, doing consulting and whatnot um, and outreach opportunities. So that's something we're building as well. Um, and like I said earlier, we want to be able to build enough revenue to pay other folks to write yeah. for us eventually, um, to share their perspectives and their experiences and whatnot. Mm. So that's the baseline right now, or that's like the next like six month goal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> is exactly. working on these items. Yeah. Yeah. And what what are the challenges that you face in in the team, apart from mm. like the the financial barriers? Mm. Um, I would say, uh, well, before it was capacity. Just Nicole and I, we just couldn't keep keep. Uh, mm -hmm. It wasn't sustainable to just have the two of us, and uh, so we onboarded eight other people. So now we're a team of ten, um, and so we're still, uh, you know, having people. Uh, learn about their roles and about mm. the organization. So that's um, more of an ongoing thing. Um, but I think the biggest challenge for the team, that's a great question because we haven't, we've only been working together since November, which is kind of a, okay. which is a, a good new. amount of time, but, but still you know, very it's new. all online. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I think the biggest challenge might be that, uh, that's I, honestly i'm just talking too <laughs> maybe, soon <laughs> maybe, maybe 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 you don't have challenges or maybe big challenges that you see yeah. this is like a huge challenge mm -hmm. i think i think the, the the just the biggest challenge right now is just uh folks learning about their role yeah um you know what like also building the confidence you know mm -hmm. you're coming into something kind of new yeah. you know you don't know if you can do this or that but building that confidence that you can take initiative you can take charge um we also you know of course we uh took on more directors for the help but we also mm -hmm. wanted to give uh space for other people to help shape women in urbanism yeah. canada so i think right now it's just getting comfortable in roles mm -hmm. that's that's the challenge yeah and yeah. it's it's happening <laughs> yeah yeah that's in that's interesting but um you have a full-time job or no this is like your full-time this is uh <laughs> no i do have a full-time ah, job most mm, of us do wow so that's also another challenge is just balancing wow. you know um working full-time and balancing this project mm. that sometimes feels full-time as well so <laughs> um especially for nicole and i at the start uh develop you know we were spending at least 12 hours a week on wow. uh, developing women in urbanism yeah, on top yeah. of working like a 40-hour work week wow. so yes <laughs> good job really no no that's amazing like wow wow thank you yeah yeah and I, I don't think a lot of people realize that when i'm when i i tell them yeah you know they think it is my full-time job i'm like ah <laughs> exactly not exactly yeah <laughs> yeah mm. so so like uh, in your full-time job you work on mobility mm -hmm. right so i uh, I'm a sustainable transportation program coordinator for an organization in Winnipeg called Green Action Center. Mm -hmm. And my focus is on active and safe routes to school. 
So that looks like programming and events and activities and resources for schools, administrators, parents, and kids on how they can get to school in a more sustainable way, as well as um, providing policy recommendations to the city, hmm. um, how to help build more sustainable transportation in general, but also how to help uh, children's mobility um, and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah. it's a really interesting job. Um, I've been able to partake in a lot of like city held stakeholder events. Um, again, policy recommendations, connecting with organizations across the country. Yeah. Um, and something we're working on right now is a project with a middle school here um, on how uh, pretty much just asking them to build out on a map with like Lego or other like handheld items um, on what interventions could be done to help it help them feel safer mm. biking or walking yeah. or rolling yeah. to school. So it's really cool. interesting. It's really yeah, exciting. Yeah. Do you have mm. you also have this uh, problem in Canada or in your city? That parents drive their children by cars and they cause like all this unsafety and traffic, you know, it's like it's caused by parents who are al always complain that schools are like unsafe and there's so much uh, traffic there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a Same. huge, <laughs> huge issue. Um, I I think a lot of it has to come with parents not feeling like it's safe enough for their kids mm. to walk or to bike or roll to school. But a lot of that, so they drive, but it's the driving that doesn't make it very safe, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I actually, there was on Twitter, there was just a video of a school drop off in Vancouver here in mm -hmm. Canada. Um, and so I believe it was Vancouver. Uh, it was school drop off and there was a, uh, like a patroller, like someone um, helping to control the cars yeah. Yeah. for drop off. And one car was very upset that they were waiting in line and was, uh, you know, verbally harassing the patroller and sped through the school zone. Wow. So it's just really interesting how, you know, you want your kids to be safe at school. And, you know, yeah, uh, some parents think it's scary or unsafe for kids to get to school because of cars. But then, you know, you have this behavior <laughs> from parents. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. It, it's because uh, it was one day I had this... Uh, community engagement dialogue with the with the with the parents and so on and then they mentioned there was like they mentioned so much about like it's so unsafe unpleasant it's so bad so many cars um next to a school you know mm -hmm. and we as urban planners and designers should solve this and like all of them were driving their kids to school and i was like but like the cars actually are like it's it's you it's about you know exactly maybe we yeah. all together should do something you know mm -hmm. exactly so it's a lot to do with yeah. the parents as well mm -hmm. the parents the you know the city and oh it's just it feels yeah, like a circle sometimes <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah, know i totally agree with you yeah i work a lot with the child-friendly cities and yes. we say a city for kids it's a city for for all can Absolutely. we also say a city for um, women is a city for all? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like when we were in Helsingborg and I was on that tour with you um, mm. at uh, the park in Helsingborg uh, with the masks, trying to see the park at uh, eye level of a child. 
um just throughout that like uh that first i love that activity and thank you have it in my pocket (laughs) (laughs) um you know uh certain activities here uh but as well like that of course helped me understand you know the interactions between children and women when they're out in public Mm. you know um everything is adult sized you know and so something might be easier for uh the parent to navigate but how does it affect a child um and so ways that we can uh increase that interaction uh, especially like risky play and whatnot so yeah that was a very yeah. great uh yeah. activity thanks thanks for <laughs> i think there where we connected right absolutely yeah, yeah that's yeah. where it was <laughs> you made also good pictures from the trip from the yeah. study trip yeah it was it was it was great yeah and back to you what makes you sad in your city? Um, I've probably said it a few times already throughout the yeah, <laughs> our like time the, talking, yes, the, but uh, just how car dependent mm, Winnipeg is. It's very yeah. sad. Um, there's just so many, again, mental, physical, environmental, financial uh, benefits to uh sustainable transportation, active transportation in cities. And I see people complaining about the effects of it Mm. and people in my circle too, like my parents and, you know, my friends and, and whatnot, but it's like the acceptance that it's, you know, building our cities around cars is really hard to swallow. It seems Mm. like sometimes, and it's very difficult because, you know, we research this. Yeah. We work in it. And then for folks be like, oh no, that's not it. Or I could never get out of my car. You know, <laughs> it's it's sometimes like mm. uh, sometimes insulting, but also just like I want you to uh, I want you to experience how it could be better. And I want, you yeah. know, so I think that's just what makes me sad mm. is just mm. seeing seeing that focus on cars and just like missed opportunities to better yeah. our city. True. True. And what makes you happy? Um, what makes me happy about Winnipeg is our recent initiative within the last three years, I would say, or four years to make winter a more people centered place. Um, you know, it's like, I mean, especially with climate change, it's been very different our winters lately. Um, but our winters can get up to like, minus 40 with the windshields like it can be very bad (laughs) um but you know the last few years um i want to say especially because of covid Mm. there's been a big uh initiative in making winter a place for people to connect and socialize and to be doing all these different things and a lot of them especially this last winter haven't revolved involved cars sorry which has been great Mm. Uh, we have like the main river in our city, mm. uh, of course, freezes every winter and there's a big trail that people can skate and walk and ski and snowshoe on. And you see women nice. and like people in strollers, uh, and on bikes and there's different art installations and lights. And, um, for the last few years, there's been a tent, um, that gets rent out to like for events and a lot of like restaurants and whatnot so it's like you're like eating on the river it's really interesting yeah um so it's really great to see more people using it and also it being more spread out throughout the city Mm -hmm. 
Cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I'm I'm very very happy to talk to you, and I'm very inspired, and and like now I'm I will actively follow your blog as well, and oh, I hope you, you send me all all the the different links to what you mentioned today, so we put it in the in the episode description. So Absolutely. this was the part about how do we make uh, cities for people, cities for women, and as you know in this podcast, it's also about the people behind the projects and NGOs. So it's more going to be about you in this section of the episode mm -hmm. uh, so with with all what you do uh, a lot of challenges uh, good vibes sometimes uh, big challenges uh, negative comments so what gives you energy to do what you do um i think at first what gave me energy and motivation to do what i do was seeing that there was a gap and someone needed to do it <laughs> um <laughs> So that's, I think, is what first really gave me a lot of energy. Um, but I would say now what gives me energy a year and a half into this project, especially, um, is seeing that there's still so much to explore. Um, mm. I, you know, like my focus is on transportation and mobility and has been for the last few years. But I'm really interested in greening cities and placemaking and mm. um, even urban farming. So, um, you know, I think that's what motivates me is just like to keep learning um, yeah. and Ex exploring the different pockets. What did you say? Boxes? Yeah. Pockets. Yeah. Pockets. Exploring the different <laughs> pockets. Uh, there's just so many and there's a lot of free resources and free ways to yeah, yeah. explore them. So I think that's yeah. just what keeps motivating me. That's very interesting. And about like the pockets, the thing is that uh, internet is a gift, you know, you you, mm -hmm. you can find so much and there is there's so much content as well to, yes. to learn, right? So much. <laughs> and also a lot of, uh, especially a lot of nonprofit organizations, yeah. they want people to learn these things mm. and they have the, re the resources to give them. So they do host a lot of... Um, free events as well yeah to help share it like i'm going to one tonight on greening our city so wow. it's it's just like Amazing. really nice and it's free <laughs> yeah it's, it's a good it's a good knowledge actually to to it's good to listen to learn and also i think after or maybe during and then after covid uh there was a lot of uh, free content mm -hmm. like people Absolutely. just putting doing seminars webinars uh podcasting and so on i think it's mm -hmm. good Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I, I, I feel like it's a lot more accessible. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you choose to be something else than being um, a woman, mm -hmm. so what will you choose to be and why? Uh, like as like a non-human kind of thing? Or... Yeah, let's, let's, let's say non-human, yes. Um, what would I be? <laughs> <laughs> I always find this question is hard because um, I feel like I kind of have the the skills sometimes to like adapt to who I want to be, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I guess like a way to like explain how I feel sometimes, uh, and I feel like a lot of people use this example. So this is probably doesn't sound very original, but definitely is... like a pocket knife. Like I definitely feel like I have these different uh tools 
that are just like in my back pocket and I can take them out when I need them and whatnot. So um, yeah, <laughs> I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I did a lot of, sorry? No, but usually people answer, I want to be a bird to fly. Oh. I want to be a tree. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so oh, well. you Oops. want to be a pocket uh, knife. I just feel like that's like most... Uh, <laughs> That like explains me the most. Maybe that's mm. not what I want to be, but that's just what explains me. If I did want to be something, yeah. Uh, honestly, this sound this sounds boring, but I think just a tree. <laughs> like, just leave me in the forest. Let me hang out. <laughs> Don't like, I I used to do a lot of like camping and canoe trips growing up, and okay, so cool. that really shaped who I was. So yeah, uh, yeah. I would love to just d hang out again in the forest. So yeah. I could be a tree. <laughs> tell us tell us more about like, your childhood where you grew up how was it and and and, and more about you yeah absolutely uh so i was like born and raised in winnipeg again i lived in the suburbs um but and this is something like that really helped me with urbanism was mm -hmm. when for like almost 10 years i actually was a synchronized swimmer and swam nationally wow. and uh that was a huge chunk of my life um, mm. working as a team and being at the pool six days a week for like 24 hours a week. Wow. Um, a lot of dedication. But yeah. the thing was something that was really prominent in my childhood because of that was it was almost an hour drive each way oh. from my house to the pool. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, doing that six times a week uh, was draining. And especially for my parents, you know, it mm. took um, them away yeah. from so many things mm -hmm. and um i and like i tell them now in my career you know like i want all like the reason why i also want cities to have sustainable transportation option options yeah you know it gives kids more mm. uh independence and also yeah. how that relieves caregiving for parents so i'm like this is how i'm paying you back for <laughs> all of those years in a car driving me to swimming <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so I swam during the year mm. and then every summer I would go on a canoe trip. Um, so I was out camping with, uh, very little, uh, uh, resources and, uh, no internet, no anything <laughs> wow. really. Um, and the longest one I did was four weeks. Um, wow. and it was really amazing, uh, yeah, just being yeah. in like the back country of Canada. It was really life-changing and i would love yeah. to do it again yeah and 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 like when you start to study how come that uh, what did your family say when you start study this specific uh, kind of program and so on did you get mm -hmm. like inspiration from someone or no um so well when i first started studying urbanism i think my parents were kind of like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like they had, they were just like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'd be like, no, or like, I would be telling them all the issues about our city. And they'd yeah. be like, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> you know, pass the plate, whatever. I, so, but then um, they started to really understand. And mm. uh, for me, like I started biking, which is what really helped um, mm. Me get into urbanism. Uh, it was first just for recreation, and then I was like, "Oh my god, it's a whole world mm. out there about it." Um, and then my mom started biking with me, cool. And so we bike with each other almost every week, um, bike or walk in the city. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
now she talks about its benefits and she's telling people at work and she's telling her friends and yeah. I feel like a sense of pride uh but how I got into it though mm -hmm. um so like I was working in communications um mm. and so part of that was also finding a lot of like volunteer opportunities to expand my experience in communications mm. and whatnot and so I actually was vol a volunteer for the urban economy forum which is based in Toronto, um, mm. here in Canada, uh, to uh, do reporting on their huge annual forum. And I'm supposed to only be taking their, you know, taking notes and whatnot to write on later. Yeah. But I remember there's one panel of speakers and they were talking about rebuilding the, like the city after COVID. Okay. And, you know, talking about like dense communities mm. and whatnot. And it just like, like a light bulb moment i was just like wow this is really interesting what is this and then i just started to fall into it and yeah, yeah. that's where it started <laughs> so, so interesting yeah. but i also i also see behind you like you have a bike on the wall yes <laughs> or, i have or, or more more than <laughs> i have two what bikes have? on the wall <laughs> two bikes on the wall uh, a bike frame on the other wall that is you can't tell but it's it's cracked um so <laughs> like a bike uh, workshop well, why why you have them there um well decor but also <laughs> um it's you know we don't so uh my roommate uh was a pro cyclist and mm -hmm. like raced mm -hmm. for cycling okay. and yeah. then i'm the sustainable transportation uh yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. professional yeah. so sometimes you know we talk about it and obviously have different perspectives of uh cycling and biking in cities and whatnot so um but uh these are our bikes that we don't use in the winter um uh, so so they don't get all uh worn out and yeah, yeah, yeah. whatnot but i have my winter bike in the basement and i'm actually going <laughs> this weekend to look at parts to build up a uh commuter bike um <laughs> a new commuter <laughs> bike but from used parts actually um, yeah there's an organization here in Winnipeg that uh, uh, imports used Dutch bikes from the Netherlands mm. to bring to Winnipeg to try and get more folks on them. So, yeah. yeah. So like it's a dream for you to bike in Copenhagen or, or Amsterdam or Rotterdam, right? Yeah. I mean, I did it. So that you was did really it? fun. Yeah, did but, it. Wow. Uh, yeah, Where? In summer. which city? Sorry? In which city? Um, I biked around in almost every city that I was in. So mm -hmm. that was uh, Berlin, Hamburg, Malmo. Um, I didn't bike in Helsingborg. Uh, couldn't find a bike, but I didn't <laughs> felt like I really needed it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everything was pretty close. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, Copenhagen and Amsterdam and Utrecht. Utrecht was, of course, amazing. Yeah. Every urbanist's dream to be there. Um <laughs> And then I went to Lyon in France, but I didn't bike there. Um, mm. But I did bike in uh, uh, Torino in Italy, and that was scary. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was really <laughs> scary. <laughs> a lot of cars? It, yeah. Sorry? A lot of cars. A lot of cars. Mm. Actually, when I got to Torino, it reminded yeah. me a lot of Winnipeg. <laughs> home Just sweet like, home. Home sweet home, exactly. I was like, I'm not even in Europe anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Just like lots of cars, lots of parking lots. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, let's say 100 years from now, what would you love people to say about you when mm. they Google your name or, or when they read your name? Right. 
I think what I would want people to say about me is I think just acknowledging how impactful and beneficial it is when you connect with communities and when you put in that effort and take that initiative to kind of throw yourself into stuff. Um, mm. I I actually had this conversation a bit with a friend not too long ago. Like we were like Googling each other's names and I was like, um, oh, Google mine. A lot will yeah. actually come up like in a non like prideful way. I don't know. I was just like, <laughs> no, like a lot of my work actually does yeah. come up. Wow. And so they were like, oh, like I didn't realize, you know, you Famous. we're connecting with all these people and i was like yeah like it's that's how i built my career was just volunteering and yeah. connecting with folks and mm. i mean i found it's given me a really great perspective yeah. in my work and mm. um yeah i would want people to say how cool and i should do the same <laughs> nice nice yeah so talking about career like now two questions name one thing you did in your career and you're very proud of and then you mm -hmm. name one thing you did in your career and you regret. Right. Okay. So <laughs> I think uh, something I'm very proud mm. of kind of going off of like what I was just saying was I'm a I was able to get into this field and to make impacts without formally studying mm. urban planning or urban design or architecture. Um, I was very intimidated at first um you know entering this field a bit more seriously yeah um that I wasn't gonna be taken seriously so because of that I even applied for a, a master's of urban studies mm -hmm. um in Brussels and I got in but wow. <laughs> I I just like wasn't ready to dedicate myself to studying mm -hmm. yet mm -hmm. and so um I declined but uh you know still wanted to take action to build those skills and connections in the field. And so I'm really proud that um, I'm at where I'm at yeah. um, because I got out of my comfort zone and like I would go and volunteer alone all the time mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. make these connections. And um, I'm really proud for dedicating myself to that and making space in my life for that while still being in a different field, working full time. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think the thing I regret the most in my career might not be um, necessarily career-based, but when I was in university, I mm. really, really rushed my degree. Um, I was taking a full course load while working part-time. Mm, high five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was just like a lot of work. And when I, I I really wanted to travel, that was my main motivator. Mm, so I was like, yeah. hey, if I get my degree as soon as possible, I can go and travel. But um, <laughs> when I got out of university, COVID hit, and uh, no travel. Yeah, yeah. But I was also oh. kind of like, I didn't need to go that fast. Mm. I could have explored more. I could have, yeah. you know, like uh, who knows? But um. I don't regret anything else. I think it's just I could have used more rest back then. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, not rushing would mm. have probably been a bit more beneficial. Yeah, I, I I understand and feel what you're talking about because I did the same mistake. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard. I, I, There's I, a lot of pressure. It's hard, yeah. And I now when I, I'm telling all the students that don't do that. Mm -hmm. Like really enjoy your time. Take it, you know, like normally, no, don't rush anything. 
<laughs> you will have plenty of time to build a career and you know all this yeah. stuff everything will come but just like now enjoy the moment and just mm -hmm. just be normal like you know i, have, Don't rush I anything. completely agree yeah. I completely it's, agree. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two thumbs up. <laughs> so if yeah. you if you choose to be something else, uh, now is talking about profession, like not working with urban planning or mobility or communication. What mm -hmm. would you like to be or mm -hmm. to try as a mm -hmm. profession? That's interesting. Uh, if... If this is too still close to the profession, I choose something else, but I'd be getting really interested, like I mentioned earlier, in urban farming. <laughs> urban farming, oh. Um, I mean, when I was in Europe, I uh, volunteered at uh, Ostergrow in Copenhagen, mm -hmm. uh, which is like uh, the city's first rooftop urban farm. Um, and I just wanted something to do. <laughs> and so I just did it. And then I was like, wow, like, it was just it was so interesting to see first to learn about like the benefits of yeah. greenery and pollinators you know in in the city but then as well like the uh, benefits it has as a community mm. um you know it's a great place for connection it's also a great place for education um and a close friend of mine she works in occupational therapy Mm -hmm. And so she talks about how, uh, like, urban farms and gardening is really great for uh, older uh, communities. Interesting. Um, because, of course, it's great for, like, their physical mobility to be moving mm -hmm. like that, but at a slower pace kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's not too hard on them, but it's also, you know, it, it gets them out more. It helps them build friendships mm -hmm. and, a, and a network and, you know, and whatnot. So it's just really interesting to see the different connections it has yeah, for yeah. that so i think it's a lot to do be, also yeah. with the social aspect in in mm -hmm. uh, urban like more 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 the social rather than the like the producing food and eating and supplying i mm -hmm. think so right yeah i agree yeah so yeah that's kind of something i'm <clears throat> like slowly working towards as like a hobby <laughs> is uh learning about gardening and yeah. i actually have like a I'm excited because I have like a community plot for the summer to work in. Nice. So just like giving it a go, giving it a try, seeing yeah, what yeah. comes of it. <laughs> yeah. No, I see because yeah. now you're attending this seminar about like a green cities and, you know, like slowly, <laughs> slowly you're getting there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All how, about how, the learning. Yeah. So how is your uh, like um, daily routine? What do you do? When do you wake up? If you take us with you. Right. Um. It sometimes changes, but it's usually around, I get up probably like seven in the morning or so. And after getting ready, of course, for the day, I actually spend like an, an hour or so on women in urbanism, just like checking email. Sorry? In the morning? Yeah. In yeah. the morning before I go to work, um, checking emails, you know, scheduling anything that needs to go out, any last minute stuff or, you know, smaller tasks. Yeah. And then I head to the office. Um, I you usually bike? bus, bus or bike. Okay, yeah. Uh, um, I actually I've been busing a lot more lately because in the fall of this year I got a shoulder injury from biking, mm. and then I got hit by a car while biking. Oh no! So I'm okay. My bike is okay. Mm. Um, but of course it's kind of like ah, maybe I should just take the bus for a bit. So. <laughs> 
uh, I take the bus mostly to the office. Yeah. Um, spend the day there, you know, meetings and collaboration and working on projects. Um, and then usually when I come back home, I'm either going back to work at for women in urbanism mm -hmm. or um, like my closest friend group, we are all urbanists and we all bike <laughs> and we all live quite close to each other. So usually we have plans, we get on our bikes or we are walking uh... to uh different events or just to hang out and we talk about this stuff a lot okay um, cool, cool so yeah so helping each other on like each other's personal projects um mm. two of my friends they uh they created like a um for the summer they call it's called bike jelly uh <laughs> and it's like a uh i don't know do you know like what a bike jam is no no it's uh it's pretty much like an organized community bike ride throughout the city usually when there's like in places where there's not bike infrastructure okay. um and you play music and you're taking up space cool so, so they like a traffic that. jam but now it's bike jam is it this oh, okay cool yeah <laughs> interesting yeah exactly so helping them sometimes yeah. or just attending bike events with them and stuff so or yeah we're like going to events like i'm going to tonight um and whatnot so that's usually my my day and um, what, th what time you go to bed uh <laughs> late <laughs> no actually that's why i left i'm in bed usually by like nine <laughs> really <laughs> uh sometimes i uh, yeah wow. it, it depends but um i i'm a tired gal i got no, a lot but on it's the go good. <laughs> it's good to sleep sleep early i don't know exactly. how people do that Sleeping it's hard so Lots of time management, but um, I mean that's very good for your health. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I feel the benefits of it. I'm in, yeah. I'm in bed usually. No, yeah, by just... nine on my phone for a bit, and then I go to bed. You know, like <laughs> uh, when we were students, we tried like uh, stay up and don't sleep. You know, and maximize mm -hmm. our uh, waking hours and so on. And in, like it's scientifically, it's not good. Exactly. And usually we have this trend, I'm young, so I stay late and I work mm -hmm. and I, you know, watch movies and so on. So when I see like a young person sleeping early, I, I become so happy. So good, really <laughs> good you. model, you know. Thank you. My friends make fun of me for it, but thank you. I know, I know, you know, I, <laughs> I'll tell them. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like sometimes it's the same for same case for me. Like if I sleep, yeah. I don't sleep early and this is my problem. I don't know because I usually when I was a student, I programmed myself to not sleep early. Mm -hmm. so i still have it in my body and i don't know how to reprogram so i sleep right. i don't know you know like late but um we usually also make fun of people sleeping early yes <laughs> even my parents are like and it's not good you're getting so old <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we say in my yeah. culture we say chicken ah it means like it because chicken like sleep early Oh, interesting. Yeah, and we, when a person like like your, we say, are you a chicken or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. So, so how do you? Because you 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 work and you have um, your your hobby also. Maybe the second work is like women in urbanism. How do you find that work life balance? Do you have it or no? Uh it's taken me a long time to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, last year I did not have a work-life balance and, mm. uh, I was very burnt out mm. and, uh, that's like the main reason why I declined the master's offer. Cause I was uh, like, I can't imagine studying right now. I'm so tired. Too much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so because of that, I mm. knew it was time to, you know, find new 
ways to uh, handle it. And um, that's also when I went to Europe <laughs> for a few months. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, well, I'll go travel for a bit. Um, but when I came back, I I really honestly like what I said to myself literally on the plane coming back to Canada was I do not want my life to be like how it was before uh, I left to Europe. It was good. just too much for me. Mm, I was, mm. I was working like 14 hours a day wow. um, to, to manage everything. And I was wow. just like, that's not healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. So now I think the balance is, I mean, first of course is like uh, having a great calendar. So this is mine. It's very nice. tough to see, but <laughs> just having a calendar with me all the time is very helpful. Yeah. Um, but it's also learning how to say no, you know, mm. uh, that's something that I've been really working on is how to say no, but also how to build uh, boundaries uh, for myself and for okay. others. And that's when it's like, actually, my plate is really full. I don't have the capacity to do this thing or to mm. do it well. So you know, can I have some help on it or can it be, uh, you know, pushed back a bit? Um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, people don't like hearing no, but being able to communicate it in a way where it's like, it's just, I can't handle it at the moment, mm. uh, I think helps a yeah. lot. Yeah. It's very good that you're telling this, like uh, how to say no. Thank you. It's something I've been really working on. It's something mm. I could not do before at all <laughs> but how, how do we can you give us some advice especially for us people who wants to be engaged and uh, wants to do something here something there you know volunteering here mm -hmm. um how can we say no like what should we really think about i think uh the biggest thing would be i think just seeing if saying yes to this thing is going to bring value to you and to your mental well-being mm -hmm. um you know for me sometimes if i see a uh like a professional development opportunity coming my way but i know i don't really have the capacity to do uh... it uh i know it's not going to be as valuable to me because i'm mm -hmm. not going to actually have the time to focus on it and it's just gonna make me feel even more stressed so yeah. Uh, just being able to accept that that's just not the right moment for it. Mm. Um, or if I can't shift things on my plate to accommodate things, it's just better to say no. Mm. Um, also, something that's really helped me with the work-life balance has just been thinking that or saying to myself, like, I don't have to do it all. Uh, that's how I felt before. Uh, yeah. I was like, well, if no one else is going to do it, I got to do it. But now I'm seeing, you know, a lot more people taking initiative on things and different projects. And sometimes, you know, it's better to just give space to other people to do it mm. and you see what they do and, you know, you appreciate their work instead of feeling like you have to do it all. True. True. Yeah. So do you, do you, can you tell yourself that you have the work-life balance now or no still? Absolutely. I do. You do that. Yeah. I I absolutely have a work life balance and uh right now it's just about maintaining it. Um mm. it's it's sometimes easy to think oh well I work all day <laughs> I should go out now or I should you know. Yeah. But also figuring out my priorities for the week mm -hmm. is really helpful. 
Yeah. Um, you know, if I need to get something for women in urbanism out or done, I got to dedicate a yeah. day to that or something like or an mm. evening uh, to get it done. Um, and if I do, and if that's my priority and if it's done, then I can go and, you know, enjoy Free. my personal yeah. time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so what is your like next section is about is going to be about like messages to listeners and so on. But before we go there, um, I know like many of us wants to start something like how you did, like uh, women in urbanism, urbanism, maybe children in urbanism, or you know, like mm -hmm. we have so much passion and we want to put it in something concrete. So what Absolutely. should we think about when we start this? It's not gonna be our first or main job. This is gonna be like a mm -hmm. side project. What should we keep in mind when we start this? It's a really great question. Um, I think identifying your goal with it and your plan with it. Mm. Um, for me, when, I mean, Nicole and I, when we were starting to collaborate, we had, of course, still different goals because we're different people, right? But like hers yeah. was to develop this resource because she sees the gap mm. uh, in Canada. And I was also inspired by that. But I also wanted to develop Women in Urbanism Canada because I felt like this is where I can kind of have control of where I'm starting in this field. You know, um, this is where I can build those skills. This is where I can make those connections. This is where I can just use all this information I have mm. in my head and put it somewhere yeah. <laughs> so uh it was a really great uh way for me to start uh because again when we started women mm. urbanism i was in a i was working in communications um so i didn't have any other time in my day to yeah. have my little like urbanist time <laughs> so <laughs> this is where i could do that right yeah so understanding your goal for yeah. it um and then also understanding a plan for it, like whether I, I think the best thing was like kind of developing a small strategic plan mm. at the beginning. Mm. Um, you know, we didn't have high expectations for ourselves. We just knew we wanted within the first year of development, we wanted to develop a website. We wanted to publish, I think it was five blogs. And we wanted to do one outreach opportunity. Cool. And we like surpass those <laughs> so fast <laughs> so you know like being realistic which is yeah. really helpful but yeah. also like um yeah setting those like that little strategic yeah. plan was yeah. really helpful should we think a lot about like how do we make money and so on or or what, mm -hmm. what do you think i think so i think mm. um uh i mean for us we talked a lot about it but mm. we knew we needed to build the internal infrastructure of the organization before we could actually start making the money, of course, right? Yeah. And so I think if you first identify how you want to make money, mm. um, you know, to, of course, help that is then see what steps you need to take to get there. So for us to actually have an income, we needed to incorporate as a nonprofit. But to incorporate as a nonprofit, we needed a board of directors <laughs> and we also need bylaws <laughs> and yes, a bank yes. account and <laughs> uh, board of directors insurance. And, uh, you know, so it's like, yeah. it's a lot. So yeah. understanding those steps, being patient, mm. uh, you'll get there. You know, like our goal in our first year of 
development wasn't to make money, mm. but we made like seven hundred dollars wow. in our first That's year cool. without cool. like having it as a trying. goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really nice. So. Cool. Good job. Mm, thank you. <laughs> so uh, now we are in the final section <laughs> of this episode, and uh, there are three questions. So the first one is about you give a message to yourself. Mm-hmm. So imagine you have a mirror in front of you. And mm-hmm. actually, you see yourself on the camera. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to I yourself. Think... <laughs> so talk to yourself. Give yourself a message. The message I would have for myself, uh, for my future self, would be to keep exploring the different ways that uh, cities serve us and how you can be involved in them and of course how they benefit you as well um explore the pockets uh (laughs) there's always something to you know to learn um you know connect with those different communities that are within those pockets Mm. um and and also take your time (laughs) while you're doing it you know yeah that would be my message for myself yeah yeah Mm -hmm. cool and uh, three takeaway messages to our listeners. Um, I think the first one would be like a, a similar message for myself is to uh, seek ways to experience cities in different ways to help broaden your perspective and understanding and planning. Um, I think that's like a great uh, way to you're building your skill set and your connections and just your perspective. Um, and then as well, becoming involved in a community that is important to you on a voluntary basis or as part of a social group or like as an event, you know, um, if, you know, your culture is very important to you, how can you become more involved in it if you wanted to? Or uh, if uh, serving a at-risk community um, is really important to you, how can you become involved in helping that community? Um and doing it on a voluntary basis where this is on your own time um, or as part of a social thing, um, I think has its many different benefits than it has versus like your work. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more personal. And uh, I think that's really helpful. And that's what's gotten me here today. So uh, that's what I really appreciate. Um, and then I think the last message or the last takeaway I would have for listeners would be um to ask for support when you need it. <laughs> uh, I learned that the hard way, burning <laughs> myself out, yeah. you know, running away to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> so ask for support when mm. you need it. You know, it's okay. People are here to lean on, especially in this field, from my experience. True. You know? um, so that's very important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much. Really, really, really good takeaway messages. Thank you. And... Absolutely. Yeah, so, and the last question in this episode is going to be you asking it to us. So what is your okay. question to your listeners? That's a great question. Um, I think the main one I would have is, my, my main question for listeners would be, uh, what, is commu- what is a community you would like to be more um, involved in or to see more support um, in your city and why 
I think that would be that. Good yeah. question. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, I really love what you're doing. Uh, so keep doing what you do and good job. You're inspiring uh, us. Oh. And, Thank you. Um, I hope we continue our conversation and talk in the coming episode about uh, interesting topics as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you and exploring urbanism in new ways. <laughs> <laughs> We keep in touch. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you.